On this episode of the Capacity Podcast, we join Swanee, the President, as well as Max and Justin, the Consulting Directors of the 180DC Hong Kong University branch. They will be talking about some interesting projects 180DC HKU has been working on, as well as their personal reasons for joining and some social problems Hong Kong faces, in particular the issues with access to affordable legal representation and the plight of the working poor. Good morning, good evening, and good night, everybody. I'm Ryan Lee, the host of Capacity, the podcast brought to you by 180 Degrees Consulting in the lead-up to our inaugural 2023 APEC Summit. We are all about helping you unlock your capacity and navigating the recent trends in the APEC region. Today, we have Swani Wijaya, the President, Justin Chen, and Max De Bruyne, the Consulting Directors of the 180DC uh, Hong Kong University branch, to tell us more about what they are up to recently. So, thanks for coming on the podcast today. Thank you. No worries. It's our pleasure. So, firstly, I would just like um, all of us to like introduce yourself. So, what exactly do you do in uh, 180 DC HKU? Uh, yeah, so I'm Swani. I'm currently the co-president at 180 DC HKU. I have done a few roles in the past, taking on a few hats. I have become a consultant myself, a team leader, a HR director, previously a vice president, and now I'm the co-president. And I'm mainly in charge of overlooking the recruitment process as well as training for the consultants and also working with the consulting directors, Max and Justin here, to oversee the projects in case there are any issues or questions from the consultants um, bottom-up. So that's essentially my task for this cycle. Yeah, I was going to say that for, uh, as for Justin and I, um, I'd say that some of our roles kind of overlap because we work quite closely uh, with Swanee. And, but I'd say that one of what really makes it, uh, what really makes us consulting directors is that we are really, um, what what where we really work on are uh, the trainings, right? So we design training sessions so that we equip um, we equip our consultants with the the right tools, uh, the tools that they're going to be using and that they're going to be uh, applying when solving uh, the, the the cases that they're going to be dealing with and when they serve our clients. So we try to come up with different scenarios, teach them methodologies, and overall just give them uh, basically some transferable skills that they can potentially use anywhere else uh, in the professional world that they're going to be delving into um, in the future. Um, but I think it's mostly about the training. It's all about the training for us. Mm, thanks for that, Mix. Maybe we could go through some of the interesting projects that uh, 180VCHKU has done over the past cycle, or maybe even further back than that. Yep, so I think I'll go over two interesting projects that we did last cycle uh, because they're the freshest in our memories now. Um, last cycle, we worked with a local NGO focusing on food rescue and food assistance program here in Hong Kong. And essentially, our agreement was to help them with their latest effort to set up digital kiosks in shopping malls for food collection for their beneficiaries. 
I think this NGO actually is quite well known in Hong Kong, and it was quite a pleasure to be a part of this new initiative to expand their impact locally. Another one that we worked with was an educational animal rights protection NGO. And essentially, we worked on researching into content deliverables for schools because they focus on educating the society on animal rights protection. Those are two that we have worked with um, the last cycle, two of the many that we have worked with. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. Actually, from my point of view, I'm because I, I just wanted to perhaps just bring up uh, a, a couple of facts about this case with uh, with this NGO that was focusing on environmental protection, especially on animal rights uh, as part of their policy advocacy efforts. I, I was actually the partnership director last cycle, so I was the one who brought that project to the table. And I'm very, very happy that we managed to bring that to our consultants because it was a rather challenging pro project. Part of the work also involved uh, coming up with new metrics uh, in terms of uh, the social impact assessment um, and measuring that uh, the NGO would use in order to um, to uh, well to get funds perhaps uh, from either corporate uh, actors or the public sector. And it's quite difficult to quantify um, the people that you are able to inspire uh, through educational material and through other kinds of advocacy efforts, uh, as well as. It's very difficult to also calculate the direct impact that you're having uh, through education. How do you know how many animals you have potentially saved by influencing people's consumption habits, for instance? Uh, so that's quite hard. And I think that it was really a challenge for to our consultants. Um, and I'd still say that they performed amazingly. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I was uh, the team leader leading for the food rescue team for the digital kiosk project last semester and i would say it is a very challenging and interesting project because in the past we didn't work on such kind of projects which is about digital transformation and more user and research and i would say it is a very precious opportunity to our consultants because uh we don't we really have these kinds of opportunities to get in touch with so many end users and digital transformation etc so I think it's a very interesting project for us, for our branch. Yeah. So, I mean, I saw two key themes there, right? One was about digital, transform digital transformation and the other was about uh, understanding um, uh, metrics and, you know, key performance indicators, which is always a big thing when it comes to um, social enterprises, right? So, I guess my big question here is like what... Um, you did mention it was a very challenging project. So, like what... Um, what do you feel like uh, your branch learned from these projects? Um, I think first of all is to understand our capacity and our abilities because when we are doing such a huge project, I would describe it, uh, it is uh, we have to understand what is our capacity in order to manage our clients' expectations. Uh, for instance, uh, since it is a pretty large NGO in Hong Kong, so we have to uh, find sufficient numbers of respondents in order to get the right uh, amount of data to support our evidence, to support our recommendations and suggestions. So uh, I think it is a very important point for us and it's a great lesson for us. I'd also say another small challenge that, uh, that, we, that we encountered 
um, and that we always uh, that we can always learn from is the fact that we always have to strike a balance between what our consultants want in terms of the mission, in terms of their passion, but also making sure that we allocate the right talents to the right projects, right? Because in the end, we have clients to serve. And for instance, with uh, with this uh, educational NGO, given that there was a very heavy component of metrics, being able to quantify impact, we wanted to make sure that we had uh, at least a team leader um, who would have some kind of background in computer science, for instance, and this was the case, uh, as well as economics. Uh, we think that it was extremely important. So again, it sometimes might be a challenge to strike a balance between these two uh, things that we're trying to do. Uh, so giving opportunities and to our consultants to serve in what they really are passionate about, but at the same time, making sure that we deliver first-class services to our clients. Uh, so I'd say that was also another dimension that we definitely need to to be aware of if we want to keep, to sustain our, our success. Yeah, and one thing I want to add on is about thinking out of the box and go beyond what the client is expected. Like, uh, in that project, actually, the client wanted us to do some research on their digital chaos, but eventually, we also did extra research on uh, electronic map mapping platforms, which can also help them to achieve what they're aiming for. And the client is actually very interested in it because it is an other way to achieve they want to achieve, which uh, while the cost or uh, the feasibility is actually uh, better than what they are looking for. Yeah, sounds like uh, sounds like a lot of interesting learning points that you know you don't typically you don't typically go through in like a like a normal university course. You know, it, it's all about the practical experience. So, next, I guess, what are some interesting upcoming projects um, your branch is working on? Right, um, what are what are the exciting new updates uh, this 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 cycle? This cycle, we're planning to have five to six projects. I think it should be six, but two, among among them, two are rather rather interesting. Not saying the others are not, but one of them is a well-established legal not-for-profit entity. Um, what we have agreed on is to support the launch of a platform that matches pro bono lawyers with NGOs that need their service. And another one would be another animal rescue NGO in Hong Kong. Um, but right now, we're going to focus on their fundraising strategy and the implementation to promote the organization's sustainability in their operations. We haven't um, definitely kicked off the projects themselves, and the scope is subject to uh, change or be adapted to how the NGOs would be in the coming few weeks. But... I think currently the main theme of these projects should stay on the same line, along the same lines that we have discussed with the partnership team. If you wouldn't mind me asking, right, um, what exactly is this uh, non-profit pro bono lawyer matching thing? Um, maybe you could give some more background into why this is needed or the kind of uh, social need right. for this. Right. So I think this kind of intercepts with my idea of um, a social issue in Hong Kong that is quite dire, which is social inequality, where access to justice is still a problem despite some support from legal aid. And this discretion to aid cases is 
becoming less consistent in practice, and therefore the public has less means to afford lawyers and legal fees. And that is when these pro bono lawyers come into the picture. But a lot of the time, there is not a lot of the times there is not enough um, awareness or connection between those who need it and those who are providing the pro bono services. Um, I think hopefully the platform is aimed to make this process a lot easier less resource intensive for the beneficiaries who need legal assistance. And although um, there are existing platforms for that, I think this is in a way a digital transformation to help make things a lot more um, accessible for more people in Hong Kong. Well, I didn't, I didn't, huh, I didn't, I mean, I used to live in Hong Kong for a period of time. I, I never, I never noticed this kind of social inequality issue, especially Oh, I guess I didn't think about it in terms of access to justice. So that's that's quite interesting to hear that from you. Yeah. Honestly, me neither, because I'm also a business student. So um, these legal issues are not something that I personally interact with a lot. But we have a few members of the leadership team who study law. And we actually have a lot of consultants studying law. So it seems that these issues come to their attention more than to us. And with this kind of um, diversity in our team, it seems that we're able to cover some issues that we were previously even not aware of ourselves. So it's also a learning experience for us. Yes, indeed. I'd say that, uh, in fact, some of our consultants um, actually have experience with uh, offering pro bono legal services, especially in terms of immigration law, which is definitely a contentious, uh, rather contentious issue um, with, uh, with the whole, um, if you think about the entire economy of the of, of, of domestic workers and uh, and how that intertwines with issues of discrimination, for instance, and inequality in terms of access to, uh, again, proper access to justice or to, um, to proper legal resources. Um, so I think that this is a phenomenon that is definitely growing in Hong Kong, the need, uh, the need to provide uh, some uh, legal services or at least legal education uh, so that some of these people are aware of their rights. Um, this became particularly acute during the pandemic. Uh, but I'd say that this is definitely a problem that uh, that is here to unfortunately stay, and that is definitely going to be um, a pressing issue for us to to hopefully tackle, uh, especially by hiring perhaps more consultants with uh, with legal backgrounds, which might be a bit less used to be a, a bit more uncommon, but it's definitely becoming more usual uh, in the last cycle, especially. Other perhaps. Uh, other pressing issues in Hong Kong. There, there's, there's a few, a few pressing issues as well in Hong Kong. Apart from, from this one, that I think we could, that provide definitely opportunities for us to like help. And I'd say, I'd say one of them is the working poor. I think it's a phenomenon that it's, uh, that it, that it also became particularly acute uh, after, um, after some of the restrictions uh, were lifted. The fact that. The pandemic and some of the, some of the government relief that the that we were having uh, due to the pandemic at the words at the at, at its peak basically was kind of covering or overshadowing this phenomenon. We couldn't quite see it, uh, but it's the issue of the working poor. So these are around, I think, before policy um, before policy intervention. Those are it 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 amounts to like around a hundred thousand people who actually have a job or even two jobs in Hong Kong. But these are very very low skilled jobs that are not paid in in a way that would be basically enough for the citizens to live a comfortable life in Hong Kong, especially given the housing market. So 
there's been a growth in in uh, in, in volunteering services destined um, to, um, to to training this this uh, this the, the people belonging to this uh, to this collective, so that they can have better opportunities in terms of uh, when it comes to like finding jobs, giving them uh, skills in terms of uh, interviews, so that they can basically um, aim for slightly higher jobs. Um, and potentially raise their income so they can afford, uh, so they can live in, a, in, a, in in better conditions. And I think that there's more and more um, foundations and more NGOs in in, in in the Hong Kong landscape who are engaging in this kind of uh, service. Um, and I'd say that um, we will. This also poses an opportunity for us to contribute to their mission. Yeah, I mean definitely, right? Uh, since you mentioned that, I mean a lot of NGOs have just started up. I guess there's a lot of um, there's going to there's bound to be a lot of inefficiencies in the ways they are run or perhaps uh, areas of improvement and I guess that's where uh, 180DC HKU can step in right so yeah that, that's definitely an interesting issue right the working poor and not something that has currently been I guess on the political agenda and until until I guess recently so I guess Sonny and Max, you've uh, shared your kind of personal causes that you're uh, you're thinking about. So what about Justin? Any personal causes that you uh, advocate for? Uh, actually, for my personal causes, I think it's kind of similar with Swanee about justice. And personally, I'm advocating for human rights in Hong Kong. And I think for people or Hong Kongers like us who live in a very peaceful and rest- abundant of resources society i think human rights seems a little bit far away from our daily but in fact i think it's very close to us for instance uh for the clothes that we are wearing it is also related to human rights like uh for the fast fashion like uh the countries that are manufacturing these clothes like bangladesh uh the garment workers in those factories they are having a very very low salary perhaps uh under a hundred us dollars per month to and work in a very dangerous environment and years ago even factories collapsed in Bangladesh and I would say um, actually there's a lot of points for uh, general public for, like us can step in to contribute more to the human rights issues and other than that I think um, like uh, earlier last year in Ukraine, there's other human rights issues like the war ongoing and more refugees, and a lot of NGOs in Hong Kong also helping uh the refugees uh about their migration issues like uh some uh justice NGOs we also uh work with them before in 180, and I think that is uh what I'm advocating for because I think it is uh something. That is really thought-provoking, and it should be uh, protected and advocated. Yeah, definitely. I mean, human rights, human rights issues, fundamental rights. Uh, I mean, you you can't really negotiate with these things. Um, so I guess focusing on your first point about uh, human rights in the everyday, right? It's about the clothing we wear, it's about the food we eat, where we get it from. Um, in terms of Hong Kong, right? Do you think it's an issue that everyone knows about, or is there more that can be done in terms of uh, public awareness? Uh, from my perspective, actually, I think human rights is not a very hot topic in Hong Kong. Uh, because in Hong Kong, 
is like a shopping paradise, and there are a lot of fast fashion shops like H and M, etc. And people are just not uh do not understand where those clothes come from and how the workers work that are manufacturing these clothes are suffering and what they are getting paid for. And I would say, um. That is some definitely something that we should work on to enhance the awareness of the public regarding these human rights issues, and because that's something that we could work on, uh, I would say, yeah, we it is not a very uh common issue topic in Hong Kong. I would like to thank all the three of you for sharing kind of the personal causes you advocate for. It's always good to see that you know one eighty branches are aligning with. All of our personal interests and uh, what we personally advocate for, right? So, um, I guess in lining up with the with the vision that you know, Swani, you've set up for one eighty DC, and um, I guess the projects you're working on, right? What is your leadership philosophy to achieve these objectives? Yeah, I think um, throughout the cycles that I've worked with one eighty DC. I think there is a common mission that all the different people that I've worked with comes into 180DC with, especially in the leadership team. Um, I think I've um, this is something that I've observed in the leadership team while I was a consultant, and something that I have also shared with my fellow um, members in the leadership team, which is to prioritize the people and putting people first in two directions. So one direction is to give back. To the society as students by working with NGOs and their social causes, and the other direction is to deliver values to our consultants so that they can grow both personally and professionally um, in line with their interests as well. So I think that is the two general directions that we focus on when we kick um, when we try to plan out our cycles, which is to ensure that um, the partners we work with. The, the clients that we work with um, serve missions that resonate um, with the general society as well as, you know, uh, some specific causes. Um, and at the same time, that we can also deliver values to them accordingly. And the other part of it is to ensure that our consultants, while they are giving back to society by investing their time, they also gain something out of it that they can also look back on and hopefully could also help them with their professional growth as probably aspiring consultants or just anyone in the professional workforce because I think the the kinds of skills that we are sharing here are not just consulting specific. It's also problem solving and also working in a team with people that they previously never knew as well as to have a professional conduct because although we are a student group, we aim to maintain a level of professionalism in terms of our deliverables, our communication with the clients, as well as um, just our daily, day-to-day communication with each other. So hopefully we can deliver values through our projects with um, NGOs and social enterprises while at the same time also bring impact to our consultants as well. So, yeah. Yeah, that definitely sounds like lots of, you know, uh, it's good that I, I guess there's a focus on society as a whole and the the individual consultant, right? What what is each consultant going to be able to gain from this experience and um, you know, making sure that they achieve the purpose that they set out when they join 180 DC. So my next question is kind of related to that, but it's kind of um 
what motivated you to join 180DC uh, HKU after all? And what was the greatest lesson you've learned in your time so far? Maybe I'll go first. Um, I signed up in my second year in university. Kind of, um, at the time, I wasn't fully sure what it meant to do consulting. So I think it was from a bit of word of mouth and also from these emails from uh, the recruitment emails that um, some keywords like social impact kind of caught my attention because I think as a student, a lot of the time um, when you're taking courses and, you know, writing exams, it starts feeling like you're just doing them for grades and you don't really see much point into it after doing it for a while. I feel like 180DC at the time was an opportunity for me to put my time into something that would actually bring something to the world, you know, directly or indirectly. I think as a student, there is an innate desire to be contributive to the society because especially when you go into university, you start looking into what you want to do as you know, as a student, as well as a member of the society. And I think 180DC was a very good stepping stone or an entry point for me to feel like I am contributing something on top of just studying in classes. So I think that has definitely helped true because I have worked on projects and also helped people work on projects in the leadership team. And that has translated to a lot of um, real world impact. Well, at the same time, my takeaway was you know, to always be curious. I think at the time, if I just chose to drown in courses and do well in them, um, just uh, I think I would have a lot less to look back on in my university years besides the, the, the certificate that I got. So I think from this experience, I didn't only learn how to do consulting in general. Now I know what it is about. Um, but I think I also got to meet uh, like amazing people that I know would be would be friends even after university. I think the people that I met along the way definitely were also part of the highlight of my time at 180. And on top of that, I think it is to learn more about the society in Hong Kong because I'm an international student. And when I came to Hong Kong, it was four years, three years ago and I started university. So I was very new here and I was not fully aware of the societal issues here, but through 180, I could see a few recurring themes that seem to be Hong Kong specific that I do not, do not see in other geographies. So I think from this experience, I also get to know Hong Kong a bit more. Now, I think what sets 180 DC apart from a lot of other potential student groups that you may be considering is the international network that um, you don't really get in a lot of other university groups because just from the applicants, we get applicants from exchange students from other 180 DC branches who came to Hong Kong new and choose to continue serving here. And we are we also have collaborations just like the summit. This is something that shows how like 180 DC doesn't only focus on an internal work per se, but it also looks outwards into the kinds of connections that you can gain. We have also had panelists and um, mentors coming in from our alumni network who have worked with 180 DCHQ like 
seven, eight years ago. I think that is one thing that um, I personally think you can't get a lot in many other student groups. Mm, that's good to hear. Max? Uh, sure. So I joined 180 Degrees Consulting in uh, summer 2021. Um, so it's been this, this is my fourth cycle. And why did I do it? I think it's the main reason was because I wanted to take my volunteer, my volunteering experiences and the services that I could potentially bring, uh, the help that I could just bring to the society to a higher level, I'd say. My very first volunteering experience um, consisted in working at a kitchen at a social charity uh, uh, dinner, um, like a diner place. So we were, so I was basically a cook. Uh, this was in 2020. In 2021, I worked for the White Cross uh, and I basically learned how to uh, perform polymerase uh, reaction uh, reaction tests. So basically PCR tests during the pandemic. So those, so I explored two main two main topics. So that was health and, uh, and poverty alleviation. But I wanted to do something that basically entailed me using even more technical skills and that could potentially maximize like impact as well. And I realized that, well, one thing that I could do is not, not necessarily help um, recipients, but help the people who will eventually help them so that this is so engaging in this kind of trickle down effect uh, so that I could potentially bring help to even more people. Uh, and that was one into the Grace Consulting. I had a friend at the time, uh, a senior from university who, who had done uh, two cycles as a, as a team leader at 180 in HKU, and she recommended me to give it a try. And here I am two years later. Um, what would be the main takeaway? I'd say to be to be aware that you really are, at the end of the day, you are serving people who are helping other people. And you have to you have to be really be on the top of your top of your game because they deserve the best treatment. They deserve the best services from you. And and no matter what you have, what whatever issues that you encounter, whether it's uh, some adversities in terms of the environment, uh, the fact that we had the COVID restrictions, that it was quite difficult to meet with the client. Um, so no matter which, like the challenges that you would come across, especially the fact that we are also starting in university and we have to deal with other, with other academic commitments, in the end, you have to respect the client and you have to, you're there to help them out and to, and to basically provide them what they're looking for and in a concise way, in a way that is actually actionable for them and that will really deliver impact. And I'd say this culture of professionalism and serving, being aware of your mission is probably the, the deepest and the most fulfilling lesson that I've had in the last two years, for sure. Justin, maybe? <laughs> yeah, all right. So uh, I joined since the second semester of my freshman year and I'm a junior right now so it's just my fifth cycle right now and actually Swanee was the HR director who brought me in at the time and uh, a little background about my rationale to join 180 uh, I took a corporate social responsibility course at the college at the time and I did a social impact assessment project with my professor afterward and I gained more experience and interest about consulting, social impact, etc. 
and I saw the recruitment email about joining 180DC, and I did some research about 180, and I, I was pretty surprised actually, because it is a really, really big organization, and I could gain a lot of great experience here. And for why I applied it for 180, I think it's about opportunities. Uh, first of all, it's about opportunities to gain more experience in consulting because we definitely got a lot of hands-on experience to work on real-life projects to solve some uh, real-life business problems or different problems for different NGOs and social enterprise. And I think this kind of experience is something that uh, ordinary scholarly student wouldn't have gained if they didn't join 180. And secondly, it would, it would be about the opportunities to create social impacts, just like what Mass and Swani just mentioned about, because we are working with a lot of NGOs and social enterprise. I think it is really a delight that when I uh, saw my past clients, they really uh, got a lot of followers. They really have improvement. They really, we really deliver some impacts to them. I think it is very meaningful because we are actually contributing to society, even as a student. And I think it's a very uh, meaningful and interesting thing for me. And lastly, it will be the opportunities to meet different like-minded uh, people, like Swanee, Max, other consultants. I think it is, Run80 is a really big community with a lot of opportunities that you're gonna meet a lot of people. Because I am a local student, and usually before I enter the college, my social circle is all about uh, local students. But when I entered the college, when I joined YD, I got to meet a lot of bright-minded people from different countries, from different backgrounds. And I worked a lot of, with a lot of uh, smart people on different projects. And some of them even, uh, they graduated or they left 180. Uh, but still, we are still connected and we are still good friends. And I would say it is, joining 180 is a very good opportunity for me to meet a lot of great find people and try to build different friendship and set up on my conference zone. So I would say uh, what motivated me is definitely the infinite uh, opportunities of joining 180. Okay, thanks so much for sharing. You've absolutely sold me i mean i'm already in 180 dc but you've absolutely sold me about joining 180 dc right so i guess you know for people who want to apply who want to experience like um you know having uh having opportunity to, to develop their skills uh, apply them in a real world context and in kind of a very specific often like very highly valued way what what are some qualities you're looking for when you know, we have all these applicants who want to join the team. What What are some qualities you're looking for in your student consultants? I think generally, we definitely do not expect the consultants to always have professional experience in consulting because we are all here to learn together. I myself did not have consulting experience before, but I think what makes a candidate stand out from the others is their passion for creating impact and also their curiosity to dive into a specific topic. I think those are demonstrated throughout our selection processes where we have them write 
some motivation statements on a few questions that we think could reflect who they are as a person and what they're looking for in 180. And in our interview processes where we emphasize on problem solving as a team and also um, diving into a person's motivation um, in joining us, I think we're looking for candidates who are able to show that they could work well in a in a setting where they are in unfamiliar with the people on a topic that they never knew about before. And in those steps, um, we seek for candidates who are able to adapt, who are able to communicate well, and also to have the commitment to social impact that we all value in 180 DC. And I think so far, these selection processes have helped us um, pick candidates that um, we actually are happy, very happy to work with. So I think ultimately, it's not about past professional experiences. It's about your essentially curiosity, your passion for social impact, and also um, your problem solving skills as a student, because ultimately we're all going to work on projects that we were not familiar with before. So yeah, maybe Max and Justin could also add some point mm. from your observations in the past. Mm. I'd say commitment is very, very important to us as much as aligning with our mission, because in the end, as much as uh, it doesn't really matter how you know how much experience you have if you are in in the face of if you're facing a very difficult situation a difficult client who doesn't have much business acumen and you're trying to guide this this client and you're trying to help and you're and and, and you are in face of so many like potential issues that do not re really have much to do with your own business acumen and your own experience and it's really something about it's a matter of service motivation and values i think that Again, just having people who have all of these like technicalities like is not what matters at the end of the day, especially when you're in this kind of situations, right? In the end, what we want are people who are willing to stay a bit longer, even if they have commitments, just to make sure that things are working fine. Uh, and that's actually quite important. This is why we actually give a lot of importance to getting to know our candidates well, as well as uh, not just their their background and their values, but even their other commitments uh, without having to to play the bad cop or anything, but trying to really understand, are you able to commit? Are you able to give us this amount of time? Are you willing to, to accept that, you know, there's going to be instances where you're going to have to put some extra work, right? And walk the extra mile. I think that's really, really important to us. Because in the end, we're not just consultants uh, for in terms of I mean management, marketing, right? I mean, we're re in the end we're we're bringing some kind of social service, and that really goes beyond the pure technicality of it. Yeah, I definitely agree with Max and Swanee. Commitment, uh, wanted to uh, learn more about consulting. These are very important qualities, and from my perspective, I think. Passion is very important. First, you have to get the passion to learn about consulting. You have to get the passion to learn, because uh, some uh students actually uh ask us on our Instagram page to about whether uh their majors matter or whether their experience matter. Of course, it's a good 
uh, is a big plus if they got experience or knowledge about consulting. But I think more importantly, you need to have the passion in consulting and to learn more about consulting because we are students and definitely it, consulting is has a very steep learning curve that we have to keep learning. We have to keep uh, acquiring different knowledge in consulting in order to provide quality deliverables or services to our clients. So I think passion is very important. And I think as a student, since we still got our assignments, midterms, finals, sometimes you're gonna uh, get through some tough time. Like you have a lot of practice schedules, a lot of work to do. And the only solutions that you can get through it is your passion. If you have the passion to uh, create social impacts, to uh, deliver something uh, that you think would be meaningful, then you will be able to overcome those difficulties or barriers and try and create some uh, great experience for yourself and create social impacts to society. Okay, thank you. I mean, very clear themes of passion, commitment, uh, being able to think outside the box. Yeah, definitely good important skills to have as a consultant. Okay, before we end off for today, I'll be asking you for a last, uh, maybe short message you would like to leave our audience with. Um, I think that the fact that like 180, this like was founded already a couple of years ago in Hong Kong, which is a very, I mean, it's a place that's definitely uh, full of constant level raisers, but it's not the most welcoming environment sometimes for uh, NGOs. It had there's many reasons for 180 and for NGOs to be here, but it's not the most welcoming environment, uh, given that we're in a place with very limited government. So all I can say is that um, for us, like we're we we have one main motto, um, one main idea when we know that we're going to be supporting NGOs in such a difficult environment, and that is basically to strive for the best. Really. Great, Justin or Sonny, oh, pressure's on you now. <laughs> All right. Uh, I can go fast. For me, uh, it would be take the first step to make changes. Because uh, for changes, you can treat it in two perspectives. On one hand, you can make changes in yourself. You can become. You can hone your soft skills. You can hone your consulting skills. You can change yourself to a more mature person and be more around developed. And on another hand, you could uh, make changes to society by delivering impacts to different NGOs and social enterprise. So just take your first step and don't hesitate and try something out uh, without, uh, just try, take your first step to try something new and join 180 to uh, try what you got. All right, Swanee, it's your turn. Yeah, I'll just be like full-blown marketing now. Um, <laughs> say, um, if you're still on the fence about joining the 180 DC branch in your university, take this as the sign to take the leap of faith and see what is out there for you. Okay, thank you for coming on the podcast, Sonny, Max, and Justin. Uh, to all our viewers, thank you so much for watching. To all our viewers, thanks so much for watching. Stay tuned for more branch showcases on the Capacity Podcast. Once again, 
I'm Ryan Lee. This has been Capacity, the 180DC Apex Summit podcast. Unlock your capacity today. Thanks so much for watching.